Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 71. Today, we're talking with Treg Sherman from Urban Timber. Now, Treg is part of a three-man team that launched Urban Timber as a local lumber supplier in Columbus, Ohio. And they saw an opportunity to salvage local lumber and serve their community at the same time. We'll talk with Treg about the struggles of starting and scaling a new business and the benefits of hiring both experienced and inexperienced people. These guys started out with a small little shop, and in just three years, Urban Timber has grown to a 10,000-square-foot facility with five shop contributors. They are based in woodworking, metalworking, social media, and the website, and it is awesome to see them supplementing their growing business. With a brand new online store and an Instagram following with over 43,000 people, Urban Timber is on the rise, and they are just jumping onto the YouTube scene as well. This interview is full of tactical insights and was a blast. Absolutely. Before we get into the interview, though, we do want to thank our new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week and last week, actually. We had Adam LaChapelle, we had Angel Aguilar, Cody Simpson, and Dave Smith. Uh, Dave Smith, I just want to applaud you for having the name Dave Smith. Uh, they need a more John Smiths, Dave Smiths, Angel uh, we really appreciate your support, and I hope I didn't butcher your name too badly. <laughs> if, you, if you do want to, uh, if you do want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and get some cool things there as well as the after show. But without further ado, here is our interview with Treg Sherman from Urban Timber. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We want to introduce you to Treg Sherman from Urban Timber. Treg, welcome to Made for Profit, my man. Brad, John, thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, dude, we're, we're excited to talk to you. I know uh, we got a chance to meet. Uh, when was that? Was that 2016? I think that was 2016. Two years ago, Atlanta Woodworking Show. Uh, yeah. We had a, had a chance to meet. You were, you were out there uh, demoing some tools and stuff, and we were like, uh, yeah, this dude slabs up massive logs <laughs> we did. let's talk to him this is pretty cool uh we're drawn to it <laughs> <I, I>, happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we are we're excited to talk to you because i know uh what you do and and the, the the furniture that you guys make uh is is really awesome we've been following you guys for a long time over there on instagram and uh we're excited to hear about the actual business side behind it so for those folks who don't know, uh, you are Urban Timber. Why don't you, you give us a quick spiel on on what you guys are all about? So yeah, Urban Timber is a company. We're based in Columbus, Ohio, uh, specialized in taking logs that were removed from the city, uh, up to cycling those into live edge slabs, both available for the public to come in. DIYers, hobbyists, and such can buy them in the rough. We also do surfacing. Uh, we have a custom mill shop, so if you can dream it, we can build it. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I love that you have both sides of that. And, and you know, we've had uh, we've had Jeff Mack on, right? And we've had the, the Canadian contention in Black Forest. So there, that's uh, your, your Canadian brothers up there, and the, oh yeah, the sla- all the slab daddies out there. Uh, and and love the idea of that. Like when you 
when you guys started, like, where did that start out at? Did it start with just you guys going like, hey, it would be awesome to uh, like have have our own lumber from uh, these trees that are getting taken down? Like, how did that all begin? How'd you get into uh, slabbing urban logs? So Tyler Hilliard, my business partner, uh, went to fine furniture school at the University of Rio Grande. And shortly afterwards, he got kind of tired of buying wood. So he's like, screw it. I'm going to buy a wood miser. Bought an LT15. And I think he had that for four or five years before I met him. And we kind of met and we're at kind of a crossroads in our lives. He had just been promoted to manager and, you know, didn't have much time. I was kind of coming out of another couple of woodworking business. And I was like, dude, let's let's get together and save some trees and see where it goes. And that was just three years ago. Yeah. Wow. So that so that all came pretty fast then. So it, it uh, now it, like because I, I've talked to I have a, a buddy here that I talked to that does this in Memphis. When you when you guys uh, looked at uh, the trees and like where to find them, how did how did that work out? Because that seems to always be, you know, part of the um, part of the, the struggle is at least like finding good lumber and finding uh, it consistently if you're going to be making a business out of it, especially for urban kind of stuff. Uh, did you guys get hooked into the to the local city government there in Columbus and, and get a tap on taking those trees or like how did how did you get the actual lumber to mill up? So when we started out, it was kind of like, you know, wherever we could find the trees and the logs, we were going after them. Um, within about a year or so, we had created some pretty good uh, relationships with large arborist companies who have the grapple trucks and the capabilities to remove usable logs and sections, and then also store those so we can come by a few times a year, select the ones we want, and get those delivered by the truckload. Uh, so although that was kind of an issue in the beginning, now it's more of the issue of how do we save more because there are so many just laying there rotting, going to waste. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a local company here in Pittsburgh. They're literally as I was doing as I was doing custom furniture um, for my biggest competition, and they were <laughs> they are just like exploding in size because of the same issue. There's so many uh, fell trees um, that you know, are being removed for property development or, you know, they're getting in the way of power lines or they, you know, storms or, or whatever it might be. Um, the guys here uh, are, are you know, taking them and turning them into beautiful slab work as well. Um, I've actually gotten into the slab life a little bit too here recently. So, so I <laughs> yeah. kind of got the bug and John's living that slab yeah, life. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got people hitting me up all the time with trees um, and being in the Northeast uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, really like older growth hardwoods up here. Um, and, you know, we're, I'm really fortunate that I'm able to make these connections on the Internet. And then, you know, someone will be like, oh, I just dropped, you know, four oak trees in my yard at with 36 inch diameter trunks. Would you have any interest? And I'm like, well, worst case, I can come look at them. Um, and if I can't get them out of your yard, you know, then somebody's going to mulch them up or, or the Amish will come and, and mill them up or do their thing kind of whatever. So it is like a, uh, somewhat of like a, I would, I wouldn't say epidemic, but, um, like a, like a kind of civil, uh, duty for woodworkers and, and makers. I feel like to, to, to hit the local market and kind of see if those opportunities exist. Um, you know, you're, you're in Ohio, um, and, and very actually pretty close to me. Um, but with that, you know, there's, there's just so much opportunity to to do something with that local market compared to going to a uh, you know an importer for for your woods and stuff. You know, why don't you tell the people a little bit about you know 
the story of of how you guys uh, portray that to a client because I think it's something important to the brand identity to be like you know hey guys this was <laughs> so sitting in a yard in someone's house and was going to be turned into you know mulch and and now look it's it's a gorgeous dining table kind of thing for sure yeah so I mean right off the bat our company motto is uh, from the community for the community and we try to exemplify that uh, across the board whether it be helping out somebody who you know maybe bought a slab that wasn't quite prepared properly, accepting that in and, you know, getting them one that is all the way to the finished client or the DIYs, hobbyists, uh, makers similar to you guys who just need slabs. And it's a lot of it is 90% of them come within the 270 loop, which for somebody who's not from Columbus, that's just the loop that goes around Columbus. And once we say that it kind of clicks and then they look around and you start talking about, Oh, this one came from Clintonville or, you know, another village in the city. And, that's when it really clicks. It's kind of amazing how many people make it down to our business and they're in our showroom and they don't even realize the whole story. And, and it is super powerful. Yeah, I love the idea of bringing that history and that for a while, uh, you know, was super hot was like barnwood, right? And, and this, you know, we pulled this from this barn that was built in, you know, down in Kentucky in the 1880s, you know, and here's like it was, it was old tobacco barn or whatever. And uh, and people love that story. But even there, like there that story. And I know, like, especially in different areas of the country where there's not a lot of barns, um, they're like, you know, that story doesn't exist. But guess what? Like in Seattle, they've got a ton of trees and like, you know, that's a completely different story. Like the guys from uh, 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 gosh, I'm going to uh, GL veneer where they like take down those redwoods. I mean, like they don't take them down. They remove them after storm damage for, with, in cooperation with the, the national, uh, uh, forestry service. But yeah, like anything like that, that just having that, like, I think it just, it, it adds to that. It, it just adds to the, the awe and the, and the, just the, the specialness of that piece when, when you do it. And I think it's on both sides too, right? Because like you said, as you, if you're selling to the customer, like, so how does that look for you when you're selling to the customer, uh, so your customers are going to be varied. They're going to be finished product customers as well as like the, you know, people coming in for raw material. What is that split like? And, and you know, do you see that? Has there been that gaining excitement in the makers and the woodworkers uh, wanting to get things locally from you and and get pieces that they just can't pick up at, you know, their local woodworking store? Totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we started out, it's about a third, a third, a third. Um, as the businesses starts to grow, our mission is more enabling those craftsmen because the more hands we enable to turn these pieces into finished products, the more trees we can save. And that's the ultimate mission. And yeah, so it just varies based upon the person coming in. All of it's uh, completely valuable. And whether it be from a monetary sense or just helping the community sense, uh, we love keeping craft alive and kind of kind of furthering that. I, I dig that dude. What, and, and like when, so you started third, 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 like when you, when, when you and Tyler started out, you, you said, Hey, let's do this thing. Started milling slabs. Um, you know, we, we all know there's some lead time to that, right? Like you, you just don't like cut that slab and then like hand it off to somebody like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the drying time and, and, and all that. So like, you know, how did that, and, and you, we talked a little bit before the show, but, you know, walk us through, like, walk us through the setup of it, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are like, I, like, I don't even know how to start a business. So, like, when you and Tyler said, hey, let's do this, like, 
you know, were you in your mom's backyard? Like, what, where did you get land? Like, how did you, how did you store the logs? Like, what did that look like for you guys? So, I mean, it went from probably about this time of year, three years ago, November-ish. Uh, we had a couple beers and got to talking and said, okay, let's do this. And we reached out to a friend from college who has a finance background and at the time was working for Owens Corning. We're like, dude, come on. We can't do this without you. So the three of us got together. Uh, we formed an LLC, which you just submit with the state. And we rented a, a space, which is essentially an oversized garage for like 450 bucks a month. And so we had this wood miser and um, I have a funny picture of it, but it's, you know, it's just basically this empty garage space with like a wood miser and a few tools that we had from before. And that's kind of where it started. Uh, luckily, Tyler had been sewing for three or four years. So we had a backstock of material that we were able to utilize to kind of leverage for the first year and build from there. Um, about three months in, four months in, a lot came available uh, across the street from us. weren't really planning on it. We just kind of saw, hey, this is for rent. We really can't do it without it. And that since then has been our saw yard. Uh, a year after that, we got two units. Six months later, we had four. And in April, we moved into our new facility, which is 10,000 square foot building. And then we have a separate 2,400 square foot metal shop. That's amazing, man. I mean, those are <laughs> what, like, what a beautiful way to get a business started. I know a lot of us that are trying to get into custom, um, custom furniture and any type of custom work, you're typically looking to bootstrap the whole thing, you know, and, and a lot of us take that Superman approach, Brad and I have talked about on the show a ton where you are, um, you know, learning the finance side of it. You're learning the Sawyer side of it. You're learning how to become uh, someone who dries timber and then do the woodworking and then distribute it and sell it. And essentially you become this individual wearing so many hats that um, it, it, it strangles growth in all honesty. Like it keeps you um, from taking those leaps and and getting to that next phase. Uh, I love, um, I love seeing in application an instance uh, like what you just said, where Instead of trying to figure out the financial aspects of the of the business from the get go, you were like, no, grabbing my buddy. He knows this. He's going to be the expert in that situation. Um, and we're going to get him on board. I think for a lot of us small business owners, we don't see that uh, finding someone to complement with a skill set early on can really help with that growth cycle. Um, and you'll figure out ways to actually make money down the line. So, I mean. I'm assuming, uh, so did you guys like take out any loans or anything at the beginning and, you know, like, or was that Woodwiser or something that one of you was just like, screw it, <laughs> let's do this thing, like Woodmiser for life? So at that time, I don't know if his Woodmiser was completely paid off, but it was very near paid off at Wolf, it wasn't. So he had taken just the Woodmiser loan uh, about four years before that. And so that was kind of his investment. I had a number of tools and time from past businesses and that was my investment. Um, we took out a small loan and then uh, Tyler, the third business partner, threw some cash in to get, you know, rent, uh, website up, things like that. And I mean, overall, outside of equipment financing, there hasn't really been like some influx of cash, which I think a lot of people step back and they look at our business and they're like, oh, you guys have been around for three years. Somebody, you know, handed you 50 grand at one point. And quite honestly, it didn't happen here and there, you know. You need a new machine that gets financed, but that was about it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're probably running uh, fairly lean at this point because your material costs are going to be significantly lower than if you guys were purchasing, um, you know, and, and probably taking on very limited debt, like you said. 
which is good. A lot of um, a lot of our listeners, I I know, and and Brad and I do some some coaching to some of our listeners are always looking uh, at machinery costs and stuff, and it can really really catch up. Um, you know, looking at the model and talking to someone like yourself or a Matt Cremona, uh, who was who was on the show a month or so ago, and and talking about using the urban timber concept where you're milling your own slabs. I mean, time becomes your biggest adversary there, right? Because uh, you're looking at dry times and you're looking at, um, you know, the, the, the turnover that won't be anywhere close to as quick as if I was just going to go buy stock off of a rack somewhere. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit how you deal with that? Because as someone who's just, you know, snagged up an Alaskan mill, I've got some slabs sitting there and I'm obviously super eager to use them, but you got to understand a lot more that goes into it. So tell us a little bit about the cycle of like, you know, uh, if a tree's fell or if you find something to the slab drying and all the way to like final product kind of thing. So I think one thing that, so I'm just going to pull out a book here cause it's sitting right here, but, uh, understanding wood by Bruce Odley, I think is just an amazing just source. That. Like, dude, <laughs> if you're starting, just read that book and you'll be leaps and bounds. Nice. Yeah, we'll throw a link to that in the show description for folks if they want to check it out. Um, but yeah, basically, I think stickers. So making sure your stickers are spaced and thick enough, keeping it out of the rain. I mean, all of our stuff is just air dried outside uh, and then waxing the ends. And beyond that, just patience. If you can get weight on top, making sure it's flat. Uh, it's fairly self-explanatory, I think, once you kind of get the gist of the idea, the free, the bound moisture, um, the different types of the uh, drying process, whether it be dehumidification, vacuum kiln, air drying, and understanding the results that each will produce. Yeah, and so did are you guys strictly air drying, or do you guys have a, a kiln? How do you guys work that? So we've had a kiln since we started. Uh, for a while, it was kind of an impromptu kiln. So basically, we had dehumidifiers that you got at Menards, Lowe's, and then just box fans circulating the air. Uh, a few years ago, we invested in an EBAC which is kind of a, a knockoff Nile for those of you familiar with the industry. Uh, it, it worked fine for about a year and we just recently invested in a, I think it's KD 250, which is sold by Woodmiser made by Nile. And that is our DU kiln uh, in the process of retrofitting a 48 foot refrigerated trailer and getting that all in there. So right now we're down on the kilning, but basically air drying to extract all of the free moisture, typically above 30%. And then, kiln drying to extract the bound, which is below 30% down to single digits. Nice. And what's so like, what, what is a 12 to 24 yeah. months air dry about 10 to 12 weeks kiln. Huh. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's that. I would think that's the interesting part about, uh, the, you know, the, the sawing business and the drying is that you have, so, you, and like, if you went and looked in your, in your yard and then in the warehouse, I'm sure wherever you guys are doing the kiln and everything, like you have trees all along that cycle, right? So you have ones that you just got in yesterday and you have ones that are just about to go out and ready. Like, like how was it hard to, cause that seems like a process, right? Like that seems like, so you gotta be organized. You gotta like, know, you know, have a flow. So you're not spending all this time down stacking and up stacking and moving everything around. Was that, was that hard to figure out that you guys have, uh, other business models, like, you know, where did you learn other than the book, which is great for learning the technical aspects of it? Like, uh, how did you guys tap into learning, like how to run the yard and how to, how to manage all that from a logistic standpoint? Because that seems like one of the, one of the things that can really slow you down is if you don't really know how to do it and like, make sure you have a good flow. 
Yeah, uh, lots of research, lumber forums. I mean, just hours of researching. Um, but quite honestly, a lot of it's just fake it till you make it. Uh, <laughs> we're about to have to spend probably a day just renting a piece of equipment and moving stuff around to get to that point. Because, you know, at some point in the last two years, like, okay, saw, 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 and then you're stacking on top of stuff that was sawn before. And so that whole process is still evolving. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, that would be me. I'd be like, let's, we got eight logs. Let's just do these all today. Me, me and John, you know, just like slamming through them with a with a case of uh, Mountain Dew and some almonds. And uh, <laughs> we'd get done and be like, yeah, we'd be like, what? Where's everything at? I don't know. It's all slab though. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> I don't know, but so, we got we got it cut. <laughs> so um, so in your in your sales process, are you mostly moving the? Because I know you you sell slabs um and not just final uh, finished pieces, right? So are you selling slabs like before they go in the kiln? Like how's that process work? Because I know I've bought a lot of live edge slabs for customers. And they come from both ends of the spectrum. You can buy them pre-dried. I can buy them post-dried. I can buy them pre-flattened. Um, so what does that look like for you guys? So basically, we got into the production of furniture because we had clients. Like The whole mission of the company from day one was save trees, saw trees, dry trees, sell. And we didn't really plan to build furniture. But then we realized, well, where do these clients that want to finish table and just bought slabs, where do we send them? We didn't really have a good option. So kind of out of necessity through that side of the business. And so basically for most of our clients, it's come into the showroom. We have a finished good showroom, a lot of which are just for display, but you can grab the table, throw it in your car, pay for it and take it home. And then kind of in an L connected to that are all the kiln dried slabs. So we'll come in, get an idea what they're looking for. And then similar to going into a granite shop, hey, these are the options we have in stock. If maybe those don't work, we can talk about stuff that might be available on down the road. Uh, but for the most part, it's right off the wall, kiln dried in the showroom. That's perfect. Uh, so, like when when you guys started out, uh, Treg, and you started um, building that customer base, um, you know, how did you how did you acquire customers? Like, how did you advertise? Did you go on the internet? I know you guys, you know, we'll talk about Instagram here in a minute, uh, unless you know, unless you want to dive into it, like right now, as as one of your main sources. But what were your main sources getting started? How did you get the word out that? Uh, and maybe, maybe as a, as a pre-qualifier to that, like, uh, are you, were you the only guys in town or did you come into a space that already had a few people doing this in Columbus? Like, were you new to the game uh, or you, were you jumping in, throwing your hat in the ring? And then how did you get your customers either way, either getting them brand new, which would be easier if you're the only guy in town. It'd be harder if, if, you know, there's other people doing it as well. So from the slab business at the time, we were one of the only people that we knew there were like some barn wood and, you know, Columbus is a popping place, so there's lots of makers around to different levels. Uh, but right now, to the scale we are, there's only a few companies in the area that are on the slab game um, near us. Uh, starting out, so Tyler Hilliard, my business partner, is uh, we, we joke around that he's a local woodworking celebrity. Uh, he just <laughs> he just <laughs> quit his job at Woodcraft of nine years, so you can imagine how many people he's dealt with through that time teaching classes. Um, really just being a figure in the community for woodworking and uh, of the younger generation. So that's been huge. Uh, I heard you say Instagram and that was huge for beginning. Uh, I hadn't had a social media account probably for three years before January of the business starting. And I started an Instagram and just 
I'm kind of obsessive when I get stuck on things. And so I would just be on Instagram constantly like, why are these people getting likes? What is this? What is that? And yeah, through Instagram, probably the first year, I'd say 75% of our business somewhat stemmed from Instagram. Wow. And so that was huge. That's awesome. And were most of those people um, out of that 75%, were they mostly local or were they driving in? I mean, like, because that's the beauty about the Instagram, right? Is like, you know, you can, you're all over the world. So like, were you shipping? Like, how did that work? Because I know you've done some, uh, you know, more recently, I know you guys are, are shipping and sending stuff everywhere. Um, starting out, were you shipping at that point? Or was it all local pickup? How are you, you know, where were these people coming from on Instagram? A lot of local, it was a lot of connections with makers and, you know, getting slabs into the hands of people who could then uh, take them to the finished uh, state. Because like I said, when we started, we didn't even have a wood shop. We basically had a wood miser and like this unit that we were drying some wood with the humidifiers in. Um, and that kind of, I think we had some festivals as well. We made a big festival purchase right away. But Yeah, that's sweet, dude. I mean, uh, I know that there's a, you know, large market for um, hardwoods, especially where I'm at. Like no one knows where to get them. And there's, not, uh, as ironic as it may sound, there's not like sawmills all over the place here in, in uh, the Pittsburgh suburbs. And, you know, people assume Pittsburgh's a very um, blue collar town still. And it is, but to an extent. So it's it's really cool um, when you're able to kind of, you know, give back to the community as, as like you said, when you guys started out, you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I get to see all these local makers using our products. Like that's so cool. And as you, you know, as you get into it, start, start building and moving your own stuff. Um, you know, one thing that's going to come into that is, you know, like is the pricing. Um, and I get a lot of wild questions on like the costs of slabs, um, especially unfinished like slab work. And, and it's like, it's, it's, it's tough um, because you can't, I don't, you can't really use like a standard pricing model for slab works. And, and as I've been looking at like a bandsaw mill and just that whole business, cause I'm intrigued by it, man, do some of these pricing models get complicated. I mean, like Brad and I have a, a great resource. That a lot of our listeners love with, with our pricing, uh, our guide for pricing handmade goods. Like this is a whole other kind of, kind of spectrum, you know, like if you want and you don't have to, I mean, why don't you, if, uh, Tell us a little bit about your pricing model and like walk us through it. And if you're not comfortable, you don't have to at all. But uh, I mean, I find it super intriguing because you can buy like uh, they're almost PDF templates on how to start a, <laughs> a wood milling business from some of the bandsaw mill companies. Um, so I'm always curious to see how, you know, big time players like yourselves are are making real moves in business like that. Easy there. We're not that big time. We're just little guys <laughs> trying to make a living here. <laughs> You're on, well, I mean, Ben Ueda and Mike Montgomery are, are using your slabs. You guys made it. Those, those, are, those, are, some, those are some top level guys. Yeah. <laughs> so quite honestly, uh, again, back to the fake until you make it. Uh, when we started out, uh, I had taken a trip out to Denver and on my way to go skiing and stopped at CS Woods. You guys are ever in Denver, gotta stop, yep. great place. And I'm like looking at some of the price. I'm like, hey, this is $55 a board foot. <laughs> it's just like mind blowing, right? Yeah. Um, and then mm -hmm. you look online, and like you said, you look up maybe a dimensional walnut ballpark, maybe it's 12 bucks a board foot. So that's kind of where we started. And from there, it was just kind of supply and demand as it sells you know, the prices creep up and they kind of level themselves out naturally. 
uh, I, I get a lot of questions from other makers like, hey, how do I price this or how do I price that? And I think it depends entirely on your market. Uh, Columbus is a very affluent up and coming city and we charge an organic price for our wood, but the market's able to bear that. I think it, it depends a lot on where you're at. And, and also with uh, with the slab, I think it's a little bit different, too. Like you're not buying two by fours, right? You're not buying pine two by fours where they all look the same and you're just hoping to get one with less knots than the other and straighter than the other. You know, like there's there's that whole thing of um, character and and, you know, the grain matching. And it's like I think it's kind of like opening a Christmas present, too. Right. Like if, when you're sawing into that maple log, you're like, dude, if there's some bird's eye maple in here, like all of a sudden that, that price just went up <laughs> how much ever. Right. Versus just, ah, you know, it's whatever. And then spalting and like all these things that are interesting, that uh, are natural variations in a tree that because like you just said, it's, it's it's supply and demand and the supply of those kind of unique characteristics is is low. And so people will pay more for that, but it's, but you know, on the front end, and I don't know how much, like when you go and you're getting the logs, like how much you can tell, I know you can kind of tell the, uh, just, just cause I've been able to see some of it as well. Like on the outside bark, you can kind of tell some of that ribboning in the maples. Like you can tell, oh man, there's some nice figure in there, but for the most part, other than if it's got, you know, like a, a crotch split or something, you, you really don't know. So like when you when you crack that open, is that is that excitement still there for you? You know, three years later, as you're as you're pulling it open and you throw the water on it for the first time, like how does that look for you? And then you find that one, and you're like, oh yes, <laughs> score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every log is like opening up a present. You never know what you're gonna get. Sometimes, you know, you hit a U bolt and you put a dent in your bar, and other times you just fly through them like butter, and they're beautiful. Uh, so, going back to the pricing a little bit. Definitely, like you said, characteristics, the edges, uh, formations inside of them, and then size. A single slab piece that over 36 inches is completely different price than a 16-inch wide piece. And uh, board footage is always, you know, the general number, but that is scaled up and down based upon the qualities or traits of each piece. Gotcha. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's an interesting commodity. It's not. It's not a commodity because it's. I guess it is and it isn't, but it's not as a, it's not a uniform commodity, right? So it's very, it's very different. And like some of that stuff is like board foot pricing of, you know, just uh, S2S walnut is that's a commodity, right? When you talk about mm -hmm. slab, it, it's, it's so unique. Like that's the thing is like somebody can't necessarily come in and say, oh, well, they've got slabs for XYZ over at Billy's slab yard. And you're like, well, yeah, maybe they do. But what, you know, what does that look like? How are they dry? It's like, so completely different than uh, once you get down to the finished final form. Uh, and so I'm, I'm sure that that plays into it as well and that you guys can, you know, highlight how yours are different and highlight, you know, what what value add you have just in the processing or, you know, knowing the the that the logs came locally and those type things. Again, if people want to buy local that, uh, you know, they're going to come to you versus like like John was saying, you know, get to somebody who can ship it to them. For sure. You got to leverage your USP. Your unique selling position. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah. Doing the work. I could tell. Yeah. Uh, Treg's throwing out the, all it the is, lingo, dude. I love it. I'm an entrepreneur nerd, man. <laughs> yeah. What, what are, what are some of your favorite resources for entrepreneur? Like when you get started, like what things do you read to inspire you or to learn from websites or books or whatever podcasts? I'm a big audible guy. Um, always on Joe Rogan podcast, man. Um, 
and your guys' podcast, it's funny when you guys came out with your podcast, we had actually been discussing how there was a need for it. And I was really excited to see it, it come out onto the market and uh, now I get to be a part of it. Awesome. That's yes. Awesome. Hey, it's, it's full circle, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love that. Sure. So I want to take a step back to where you guys were like a second ago. Um, and you know, being a very like local person, I I love buying local. Like like we were just touching on. I'll get the opposite end where someone will follow me and they'll have a tree, or they'll literally have a tree being fell and uh, look me up on Google, and I'll come up as a local woodworker or whatever and call. And uh, and I get like dudes all the time that are like. Hey, bro, I got this, uh, you know, I got this walnut tree. It's got 20 feet. It's straight. Uh, I'm looking, uh, you know, it's about 30 to 36 inches wide at the base. I'm looking for like 10 grand if you want to buy it. And I'm like, whoa, wait, <laughs> what? And he's like, I, no, I, I did some research. Like, I know what I got here. Like, this thing is like pristine veneer log. And I'm like, oh, oh is it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right, call veneer company. Like, yeah, how often do you guys get stuff like that? Because, I mean, I literally like giggle to myself. I'm like, you you got to be kidding me. Like, you think that your tree's worth $10,000, uh, like sitting there without even knowing anything about it. It could be rotted three quarters of the way up. It's not even down yet. Like, for sure. You guys, you guys get stuff like that? That's uh, literally every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> and honestly, most of the time, it's like, well, we work with three arborist companies. There's a page on our website with links to their website. If they remove it, there's a good chance it'll go to a good home, but we don't pursue trees that are standing merely because we don't want to leverage the desire to remove them. Like if we go out and say, Hey, we'll give you X amount. That's motivating that person to remove the tree. Um, so we just kind of take a backseat approach and really have stepped really far away from that. Unless we feel it's, there's a few gem trees out there that, you know, the right situation works out, but really don't pursue one-off trees at all. See, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's like really back to what you said at the early beginning of the show is like, that's really at the core of what you guys believe in. Um, and we talk about on, on our show a lot is like taking, you know, subtle degree turns um, or, you know, supplementing your existing uh, business with small things that don't have to pivot too far. And for, uh, for your brand, you know, one of the core beliefs, like you said, is to, uh, save the the trees that have been fallen down that will be turned into mulch or just scrapped up. Um, turn those into something valuable for you to start pursuing. You know, essentially the business of an arborist would be like the ninety degree or one hundred eighty degrees, what it, whatever it is, on the other end of what you guys started out doing. And we're always talking to uh, you know small business owners who are looking to add that next element to their business that are considering moves like that. Um, you know, we advocate, as you know, from listening to the show to, you know, stay the course, like do what you believe in with the core of your brand, make small adjustments as you go, you know, like you guys add a, uh, you know, add a kiln, um, to, you know, bring it in line to help with your, uh, your vertical integration of the business or, you know, bring a marketer in house, bring your own showroom into the brand. Like when you get started, those are things you're, paying to go do on other people's property but you start to bring those things in line um i think it's really important early on to stay the course with what your core values are and not get too far from what you did just because you see dollar signs there because i'm i know you guys could easily be dropping trees and milling them up and selling them all over the country because you're you're you know got the you got the presence now and you have the logistics all handled but staying true to to what your core beliefs are 
um, it, it sets you up for a much longer win than just those short term, like, you know, maybe I got a great tree here and there kind of kind of opportunities. Um, so just a little snippet from me pulling out of the conversation as someone who's been there and was like, no, you know, I want to stick to my guns. I want to make metal and wood furniture kind of thing. Like, I don't really want to be going and doing uh, you know, timber frame decks kind of, even though I would love to, but like th that's sure. a different business than what I'm doing right now. Um, so, you know, I, I, as you guys have continued to kind of grow and evolve, you know, how many guys are in the shop now? Is it just you three still, or is, is there 30, you know, you do, uh, I know I was watching the videos with, with Mike, um, out at your place and it looks like you guys got a really, really solid, legit operation there. Yeah. So as of actually Thursday of last week, Tyler Hilliard quit his uh, full-time job and is now full-time in the shop. And so that's basically an extra three days a week of somebody in the shop. That's awesome. Um, Beautiful. We have an awesome girl named Ashley who's uh, recently started with us and she's coming in a couple of days a week and learning the, the sanding, the epoxy, you know, the, the more detailed stuff. And we have an awesome guy named Josh Wilford who comes in and uh, moonlights in our metal shop and gets it done custom building um, all our bases and stuff like that. So basically five people. And then, uh, can't forget my fiance cause she'd kill me. She does our newsletter and daily social media updates. So yeah, I'm sure you guys kind of noticed there's a more regimented, uh, post as well as Tyler will come in and do kind of daily posts there. So. Yeah. So, so just to, just to save you here, Treg, what's your, what's your fiance's name? Lauren. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she like, <laughs> you just said my fiance. You didn't even say my name. <laughs> so I dig it, dude. Why I love you, it. So when, when you're, uh, so, and you guys have been at this, uh, for three years. So like, that's a, that's big, that's, that's some serious growth. Um, from like start till now, uh, the hiring process, we get tons of questions on it. Um, walk us through that a little bit on like what type of, you know, what you're looking for or how you approach it. Cause what I love is that you have someone doing digital, someone doing a little bit of shop work, someone doing metal work. You know, there's what a, a lot of the people in that listen to the show and is myself um, included fall into is like, I just need help. I'll hire one. Like just, <laughs> but it seems like you guys are really figured out a, like a little formula there to like, no, we need supplemented here kind of thing. Walk us through that process a little bit if you can. Like how you got to that. Yeah. So slowly we had all kind of weaned off our old jobs and that helped us to moderate the growth in those steps and we're very uncommon in that we get people coming through the door emailing us instagram hey if you need help let me know hey i just saw you guys here's my resume let me know so word of mouth works very well for us which i don't think is necessarily the case for all industries but basically people that were referred highly to us of people we respect and uh, bring them in. And if we like to bring in people who are either really good at what they do or are ready to learn what we do. So you kind of got two ends of the spectrum there. So like with our metal worker, Josh, he's just amazing. I mean, angles, cuts, TIG welding, just on point. He does that. Here's a work order done. And then from, so like Ashley, she's coming in. She just wants to learn woodworking. So we're able to teach her from the ground up, um, maybe not the perfect way, but our way. And so kind of two ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, that's great. Because we talk about that as as well and, and kind of hiring up for freedom. But at the same time, bringing somebody in who is fresh and has a, an open mind and is willing to learn and that 
they don't have any of those preconceived notions, right? So you're, you're coming in teaching Ashley about, you know, whatever, like, this is how we do it. She's not gonna be like, well, that's not how we did it in my last shop, right? <laughs> She's yeah. like, oh, like, cool. This, this is great. Like, that sound, sounds awesome. Like, I'll, I'll do it this way because that's the only way I know. And then maybe, you know, maybe down the road, she brings in uh, some change. Like, hey, I was thinking about it. I think it'd be easier to do this, right? And like, so people coming in with fresh eyes as well could be, you know, well, why, why? It's like they learn and then uh, the, the most valuable thing. And, and we did it like when I was in corporate, we would switch people around on teams sometimes because uh, they'd be like, I know you don't know much about this, but you know, you're, you've got a good eye for process. And so even though you don't have a background, like come over here and like, what do you see? And it's like, oh, well, like, why are you guys doing that? I don't know. We've always done it that way. Like that, that was always kind of the, the corporate, we've always done it that way. You can get, you can get struggled. Uh, you can get kind of hamstringed into that versus having fresh eyes learning, you know, they, they help, but then they can also point the things that you just overlook. And you're like, that's a great question. Like, I don't know why our sandpaper is on the other side of the shop from where we sand. Like, why don't we have like, just cause that's, that's where we put it when we moved in. Right. And we just never think about it again. Like that kind of stuff, uh, I think is great to have fresh set of eyes. So it's, it's cool to see that you have both sides of the, of the spectrum there. Uh, I, I did, I, I want to call out because I was, I was looking at it here before the show and, um, your website, uh, is, I, I love it, man. Your website's fantastic. I think that it's, it's uh, you guys go check it out. It's uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes, but it's uh, just urbantimber.com and there's no a in the in the urban. Uh, so urbantimber.com. But I think it's it's uh, a great example for because a lot of folks say, well, you know, I don't know what to put on my website, but it is, um, you know, there's not a ton there, but there's an, there's just enough. It's it's very well done from a graphical representation, uh, great pictures. And then you've got all the stuff you talk about your story, your process, your team, your services, and then you also get into, you know, some of the things you do in the community and then just a contact. So it, it's kind of, you know, you're not like listing all your stuff. Like you don't have slabs for sale uh, that you're listing out uh, that I that I see. You just kind of talk about it. Um, when did you guys launch the website and how has it evolved uh, and, you know, how much how much traffic do you actually get and like referrals using your contact form and things? So I'm actually glad you brought that up. I think it's uh, so when we first launched. Um my business partner, Tyler Syrak, he spent a good bit of his own money, his investment in the company to hire a professional website to be produced. And from the time it was done, I think we were all just kind of like, hmm, it's there, but it looks like it came out in 1999. Like just super. <laughs> the geo, was it geocities, This <laughs> 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 is very bulky and wordy and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so about a year ago, we started down an endeavor of just creating a very simple Squarespace website. And that has completely changed the game. And yeah, so don't be afraid to throw something in the wastebasket if it doesn't work, even if you spend a lot of money on it, I guess would be my takeaway from that one. Um, and another thing is as of probably later today or tomorrow, we are going to have an online store on the website. So you can purchase Odie's oil, Eek epoxy, uh, and an expanding line of consumables as well as, you know, syringes and the things that we use in our shop. Nice. Nice. And syringes for yes. the epoxy, not for the, for right. The no, just, right. Okay. just the I'll UV. That rules, man. I mean, I love, uh, so that like plays right into what we were just talking about. Small little 
you know, uh, turns to to stay on the course and supplement the brand. We just talked about that in a previous episode. Absolutely love hearing stuff like that. And now I'm going to actually have another reason to go back to Columbus because I can't get Ecopoxy anywhere near here. So <laughs> I may be driving out there. You should there. just come up. We um, over like a day. We can small mail, get you some Ecopoxy. I have all kinds of sawdust making fun. Uh, dude, I don't know if you want to make me that offer, dude. I will be blowing you up with questions. <laughs> Two in the morning. Hey, br- hey, bro, I'm out here sawing in the dark. Like, I got a question. You up? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, dude, I, 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 so I love hearing the growth and evolution of everything happening here. Um, and I also love hearing uh, on both sides of things as the physical business and as the digital business. And, and obviously, you know, putting a store on your website, uh, you guys are, putting a lot of emphasis and importance on your website. And it's ironic for everything happening in today's business sphere, how little time and effort goes into the website for so many businesses and brands. Like, you know, Brad and I are looking and talking to people all the time and we're like, you know, so what's your website like? And like, Oh, let me check out your website. Like, wow, I don't have one. Or like, I haven't put any effort into it. It's just like, you know, like you, you like, so, uh, word of advice, you know, just looking at your stuff and going back to when I was selling a lot more custom work, like just even if the website's just there, it's super basic and simple. You definitely need that about page. You definitely need the contact page. Uh, and if you're doing something closer to the urban timber model, you know, you need to have services available so you can clearly establish what's happening there and and just can't advise enough for whatever size of business you have to make sure your website is is in existence it it's up to snuff with your with your brand imagery and stuff because um it can definitely be detrimental if it's not there and it's something that takes away from it but um you know complementing the website i think um is is actually something that's vital so you touched on it briefly with instagram and how um you guys were getting a lot more of the inquiries and a lot more of your business early on from instagram which i think is fantastic one another topic brad and i get a ton of is like is Instagram any good for business? And we're just like, well, give me the next 36 hours of your life. And let me tell you about this. But, um, so, so what kind of like, you know, plans do you guys have for the future of your content and, and what's happening on there? Cause that's how, that's how we came to know you. I've been following you for years now, probably since you got started, um, on Instagram because of it. And, and it's an evolution as well, you know, so what do you see in the future for urban timber on social media or specifically on Instagram? So on Instagram, uh, with Tyler being full time, I think we might push to uh, twice a day post. So there'll be like a segmented uh, professional post that'll be orchestrated on a weekly basis in the morning. And then in the evening, it kind of be like a shop update. This is what we were working on. We just installed this type thing. Um, I want to stay more on top of the stories. I go in and out with them. I love doing them. And then it's just get busy. And it's like, oh, I haven't done a story in a week. Uh so that's with the Instagram. Um, but I think the biggest movement we're making is launching a YouTube channel. So we actually launched that oh, last wow. week. Nice. Kind of, thank you. Thank you. A little teaser video. And then Tyler is working on the first video, which I believe is going to be, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's always a good one to start with. And so let's talk more about that. Cause that is one thing that we always talk to uh, our product folks out there. So, you know, kind of our audience is is a bit split in two and then some uh, overlap in between, but between product and content. And we always tell the product folks like, hey, like this is still like YouTube is a good tool. Like how do you, you know, what's the the mindset of getting on YouTube as a, you know, that you're not necessarily a content creator, but you're selling products. How are you going to use it? Uh, You know, what do you see the benefits and what type of content are you going to be putting out there? 
So I think just like continuing to grow the brand and that message. Uh, as we grow, I think the products, as far as from a finished furniture standpoint, the quantity of them isn't going to increase as much. Uh, so we really want to grow the other side of the business, uh, furthering the craft, whether that be welding, metalworking, uh, going to be doing classes here starting next year. So just from little tips all the way to just, hey, this is what we do on a regular basis. Maybe like, hey, I just went to the Red River Boards last weekend. Here's a little two-minute video. Keeping it more just not so um, focused on the products in the business, but just keeping it fun and light and having a good time. Yeah, that's brilliant, like that man. Because and, that, it goes to a different audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if with... Uh, you know, the surge Brad and I have seen from brands like Black Forest and like Jeff Mack uh, and like Canadian Woodworks, you know, they've been doing this type of stuff for, for years and years and years. But the educational aspect of it, the, the supplemental content, you know, that's where this uh, kind of you could call it eco poxy river table, whatever, like craze, you know, supplementing that, but educating, you know, showing people the right way to do it, why you want to be, you know, gauging temperatures and deep pores with your resin, you know, how to uh, make sure that it's not sticking to whatever substrate that your mold is made from, you know, uh, eliminating bubbles and then finishing and like all, there's so much more that goes into it. And um, individuals, even like myself have so much to learn from someone like you, cause your experience, even though it may be tangential to what I know, it's so different and you learn so much more. We, we know that there's massive value add to any type of business when it comes to educating the consumer and building that kind of rapport with individuals, uh, specifically with content. And I think it's going to be a, an amazing push and an awesome journey for you guys and what you do. Um, cause you know, one thing that a lot of us don't get to see in, in larger scale operations is the day to day are the characters in the shop are, you know, the, the individuals who, um, make, you know, the heart of the company kind of run. And I love seeing the content on Instagram, but YouTube's a different monster. And once that gets into an evergreen format and it's searchable, I mean, those characters and individuals become staples to the brand and, you know, People, people walk in the door and they're like, Hey, you know, oh, that's Steve. Like he's there. Like he's the Sander dude. Like I want to go talk to him about what kind of paper he likes or whatever. Uh, but you build that type of aura around the company and it's, it's doable on Instagram, but it's much, much, much more doable on something that's searchable and evergreen, like a YouTube that's going to be out there for a while. So I think that'll be an awesome move for you guys. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, cause I know I could definitely learn a thing or two from, from all and, and, uh, and, I just love seeing businesses get into the content space because it's it's something that is it's got a lot going on, but it's definitely completely underserved still with uh, woodworking and, and and larger scale operations in our community. Yeah, that's that's uh, and that's a whole new world, too. So that's you put your learning hat back on, man. Did you hit the YouTube? It's like you think you got Instagram figured out. Then you dive into YouTube and you're like, this is totally different. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so yeah hit us hit us up with your questions because yeah we're we're still trying to figure it out but yeah it's it's uh that's the fun part about it and uh what what you'll notice is uh just as a a little you've you've probably heard us say it before but you're gonna be like you know what we have uh 43,000 over on instagram tomorrow we're gonna open up youtube and we're gonna have 43,000 on youtube and it's gonna be like there's gonna be like uh, a thousand that go over and you're gonna be like why 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 
why didn't they come over? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> but it's cool because I think that's the beauty of, of YouTube is that it, it's kind of a double-edged sword is that the transferability is not there from Instagram. It's just not. Uh, you know, I, I think 5% of your audience is, is maybe a good number to start with that would go over from Instagram. But what that means, the flip side of that, so that you could look at it as a downside, the flip side is that all those new people are going to be new eyeballs. So it's going to be a whole new set of people that you're not reaching on Instagram that now Urban Timber can be a part of, you know, a part of their knowledge base of like where they get product and like, you know, the audience that you're trying to serve locally as well as, you know, throughout the in, the entire nation and, and beyond is that uh, there's going to be all kinds of people that are coming and it'll be interesting to, to go. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that because to see as you do kind of a mixed, uh, if, if you you know, go end up going with what you just said of, of kind of like a mixed thing and more, you know, kind of a combination of the lifestyles and tips like, hey, here's what we're doing in the shop today that has, you know, nothing to do with anything about learning. It's just like, uh, you know, kind of a, a porthole into the day in the life of urban timber uh, down to, hey, here's the best way to choose, you know, the the depth pour and the resin and the sizing and, and all these other things. And maybe you, you do a metalworking thing with your guy giving some tips on TIGWA, like whatever it is that um, all those people looking to digest that content are, are all different and they're new. And that's that's the beauty of YouTube is that it, it gives you a, uh, a channel and a way to get to those folks that you had, didn't have before. For sure, just from the few videos, well, three now, Ben's, Mike's, and then we also did one with Chop with Chris. It's kind of amazing. And Chop with Chris's video, I think was about a year ago. And still to this day, I saw this video on YouTube with this guy and a dragon. And, you know, <laughs> it's kind of amazing how much feedback directly that we get, whether it be a phone call, an email, or, you know, someone stopping in the shop. It's pretty cool. Yeah. As many ways as you can drive people to your business, uh, the better, you know. So I love it, dude. But uh, as we wrap up here, man, what we like to do is, is have uh, each of our folks that are on the show is is give some advice and and with you being you know having a pretty fresh new business uh, you know what advice would you give to to folks who are out there trying to get something started on their own and that are you know kind of struggling through it what what do you have for them any tips or tricks along the way that you learned what would you like to share i would say you know depending upon the size of your dreams the bigger the dreams the more sacrifices you have to put in i think Gary Vee talks about it a lot when he's saying you know saturday nights when i was young all my friends were out of the bar, out of the club, and I was in working. And so if you want to have that business that you and your mind see, it's going to take Saturdays, Sundays, 12, 14, 18 hour days to do it. And like Cameron Haynes says, just keep hammering. I love, I love it. that. I love it. I literally love just that. just turned down <laughs> tickets for the pit game on Saturday because I'm like, nope. Got to work. It's like, yeah. so I'm, I'm with you there on the mindset. And I know Brad is, Brad is very much aligned as well. So that's awesome advice. <laughs> um, really good stuff, man. Like, dude, this has been a pleasure. I, uh, I, I've, I've learned a ton and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the future for you guys. Cause there sounds like there's a lot of awesome stuff on the horizon here. Sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been enjoyable. We'll have to get together, maybe do some projects. You guys come up to Columbus or come down to your guys' shops and, do something cool. Absolutely, man. I think I think we might be able to work that out. We might be doing some things in Columbus here before too long. So that would be awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And uh, if you will have all the information down below in uh, where you can find out more about 
Treg and uh, and the whole Urban Timber squad over there. So definitely go check these guys out. They are making some awesome moves and, and we love seeing it. All right, Treg, thanks a lot for coming on the show, brother. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Sean. Take care, guys. Uh, John, dude, we just love having these slab daddies on the show, man. It is so cool to hear from Treg. We got the other guys like Black Forest and Jeff Mack and Matt Cremona. They're all out there just hitting these monster slabs. It is great to hear how they do it differently coming from a business perspective. Yeah, and as someone who's recently caught the milling bug, I love seeing that deep dive down in the business side of the operation. Um, love seeing the vertical integration with the small little aspects of their business as well at Urban Timber. Um, and just watching them streamline the process has really got me inspired. And I just had so much fun on this interview and learning how they're growing. Hey, you just want me to call you a slab daddy, don't you? I do. I want to make slab daddy status. <laughs> uh, so if you guys want to hear more about Urban Timber and see their awesome website, uh, I would highly encourage you to head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 71. We'll have links to their website, their Instagram channel, as well as their new YouTube channel. So make sure you go check that out. And speaking of Instagram, make sure you're following along at Made for Profit to keep up with what we're doing on the daily. Drop some questions in there and engage with that MFP tribe. Absolutely. Right now, we're going to head on over and go hang out with our patrons. All right, John, let's go hit this after show. Let's crush it. Let's crush it. 